Bastardo Magnifico, and this is the El Bastardo Magnifico show. It's Mad Matt coming back at it again for another solo rendition of the show. We're gonna have some fun today. We're gonna talk about some stupid shit, stuff that I want to talk about because it's fucking insane, you know, just in general. Uh, we're still knee deep in this whole COVID 19 thing. Uh, people refusing to stay home at their own damn houses, just fucking out and about, fucking around like I'm going to be doing this weekend, because I'm part of the problem, hood rat rules, nah. It is actually uh, my birthday weekend coming up here on the 4th, which is Saturday, and that means that uh, I am carte blanche to do all the hood rat things, so that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, we got a pretty kick-ass menu set up for Mania which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I'm kind of wondering how it's going to go down without them having, like, an audience. So that's kind of weird. Um, I'm hoping that they figure something out. Uh, the matches are... Some of them are cool. Some of them aren't. Uh, I know that they're hunting right now for an opponent for Goldberg. Um, the title they should have never given him. But whatever. That's fine. Cool. Put it on Goldberg for Mania. This is fucking stupid. The, the problem continues with putting the part-timers first. Uh, because of name value. And the main event is uh, Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. And I'm really hoping that they give Drew a shot, but I have a strange feeling they're going to put him, uh, put Brock over again. And, you know, it's just going to be the same old stale bullshit that they always do. You know, it's, but in, it's more about the spirit of Mania and it being a huge wrestling show. And it's once a year, and it's always around my birthday, so I always have, like, a big event around then. So I invited a couple of friends over who've all been kind of quarantined and we've all been in the same places. So if we have it, we already have it. So it's not like we're spreading it around or anything like that, which I think is important to say. Because people are going to be all up in arms and be like, oh, you're part of the problem. I'm like, yeah, fucking I know. But at the same time, it's been a month and we've all been the same places because these are the guys I work with. These are my friends that we normally hang out, stuff like that. Like we've already been exposed to each other. And so far, we've all been cleared. So, you know, I don't see the harm. But... I know I'm going to catch flag for that anyway, and i got to tell you now, before you send me, like, comments and fucking messages and shit, that I don't fucking care. Never do. But we got a pretty cool menu lined up. Uh, we already decided on doing a low country boil with uh, scrimps, uh, rock, crab, uh, rock crab claws, uh, jalapeno sausages, corn and potatoes. I'm probably going to do some sort of, uh, like, chicken wing kind of thing if I can find chicken wings. You know, it's... Uh, <clears throat> Always got a booze thing with it, but this time it's going to be sugar-free vodka. That's the uh, Smirnoff uh, Strawberry Rose uh, uh, vodka selection. And it's going to be like a strawberry lemonade kind of thing. I'm going to set it up with, uh, you know, uh, light lemonade. And I'm going to do like a little strawberry puree that I'm going to cut down pretty low after I freeze them. I'm going to drop them in there like ice cubes. Uh, it should be pretty dope, I think. But the pomp and circumstance that comes with the whole uh, WrestleMania thing. I try to make it a big deal. It's like my one big party of the year. Um, it's just going to be a little toned down this year. I'm just inviting some close friends, and we're going to do the damn thing anyway. 
but that's neither here nor there. Let's uh, dump into some of the stuff that I got going on. Uh, like right now, I'm watching a rerun on or an on-demand rather of AEW's event from the other night. Um, it was pretty solid. AEW's been doing some pretty interesting things. There was a pretty interesting interaction between Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho the other day, where uh, because they had the freedom to kind of just do a videotape segment, uh, Matt Hardy did like a teleportation thing, and it was pretty cool. Vanguard One showed up. Like I like how they're lining everything up, and I like how they're separating Jericho from the title right now and still showing him as like a main event caliber wrestler. Um, it just kind of shows that they know what they're doing. They're doing the right stuff. You know, uh, John Moxley's got the title, and he's gonna have to like defend it against one of the Inner Circle, I'm sure. But just in general, like the whole thing has been pretty cool. I, I hear that they're gonna drop a TV title, so there's supposed to be a tournament for that. Um, and then they've inst since they don't have fans at the shows. Uh, they've been having the wrestlers, like, gamble on matches and stuff, which has been pretty interesting. Uh, I, I like that angle. I like how that's been playing. The only problem that I'm having is that AEW is pretty segment-heavy, um, and that I think they're going to start suffering very soon from the fact that the roster is starting to grow larger than they have time for. So you're just not getting every wrestler every week, which, I mean, brings some variety to it, but at the same time, I wonder how their contracts work. Like, I wonder if it's guaranteed money, or if they have, like, appearance fees or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it would be interesting to research, so if anybody's got any clues as to how the fuck that's going down, I would be very interested in hearing that. So I know I've been talking about wrestling for a minute. The thing I want to mention before I stop talking about it is that David Arquette is actually wrestling again. And uh, a lot of people threw some flack at him back in the day because he was actually WCW champion at some point. Um, but he has gone back and like started doing some real wrestling work. And he is now an active wrestler for NWA Power. Um, it's got like Nick Aldis and James Storms and a couple couple of other guys on the show. So it's like a pretty legit show. Uh, but like apparently he's really putting in the work and is actually doing quite well as a wrestler. Just in general, like even if he gets squashed sometimes, it still doesn't really matter. Um, but that's one of those things that I think is very interesting. The three most interesting matches I think I see right now uh, that are going on is. Uh, uh, Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar, uh, Lance Archer and Cody Rhodes with Jake the Snake as Lance Archer's like mouthpiece. Uh, they're calling him the Murder Hawk, which is pretty decent. And then Matt Hardy versus Chris Jericho, which will be pretty hot. Um, as far as the most interesting wrestler going on right now is a guy that we probably don't talk about enough. And that's my dude Orange Cassidy. He's freshly squeezed. And he is doing the, the funniest shit out there like it's the most entertaining bullshit with these slow low kicks um the hands in the pocket the half thumbs up uh the uh the suicide dive with his hands in his pocket and the he's gonna try stuff uh that's been really solid wrestling so if you don't know who orange cassidy is like watch it it's it'll make you laugh i promise you know um I just don't see anybody else doing anything quite like that and I don't know if I've ever seen anybody like push a gimmick like that before uh, they call him the king of sloth style and he's by far one of my favorite wrestlers right now but I'm going to do a hard transition and do another subject so I can talk about it with you guys I'm going to probably bring it up on the Fat Entitled Bastard show but I definitely want to make sure that I get my own opinion out here like that's unadulterated uh, so I watched the Birds of Prey movie The Emancipation of Harley Quinn I actually watched it twice just to make sure that I wasn't having one of those like chauvinistic, like one-barreled, bullshit-ass opinions about the show. 
And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you my my basis behind it, like what I think. Um, and I'm going to tell you the good stuff, and then I'm going to tell you the bad stuff. Uh, if you can already tell where this opinion is going. Uh, the basis behind it is the movie was fucking terrible. It is uh, a hodgepodge of garbage. It is uh, badly produced, uh, mostly origin story. Like, there's a lot of things wrong with this movie. But the things I did like about it were uh, Margot Robbie, I think, played a very good Harley Quinn. I did like the kind of gonzo style, like fourth wall breaking, talk to the camera kind of shit that she was doing. I did feel like the energy of Harley Quinn was there. I do think that it was just as ridiculous as like a Harley Quinn movie would be. You know, um, I thought that if since the movie, I thought the movie was terrible. It was certainly not because of her. And I'm going to put that out there. I thought she did an absolutely phenomenal job. Uh, Harley Quinn is probably my second favorite part of the movie. My first favorite part of the movie is uh, Ewan McGregor. Now, I didn't like him playing the Black Skull. Like, I didn't like that at all. But I did like his attitude, his nuances, the way he spoke, his lines. Like, I just thought that it was just the right amount of crazy. And I thought that that conveyed to the screen very well. You know, he, he at no point didn't feel like an unhinged villain. You know, he always felt like he was just kind of on the verge of being completely out of fucking control. But those are the only things I really liked about the movie. You know, I really felt like they, they forced the color scheme, the multicultural color scheme. Uh, and I don't mean cultural as in, like, uh, like Canary because she was okay, the cop or anything like that, Cassandra Kane. I mean it in a sense that you know, they were trying to do the neons, the bright colors, and it's kind of just an over-the-top kind of, like, uh, uh, have you ever seen that paint party where they just throw paint on everybody and it's neon and they're, like, having a good time? It was like that, but shitty, if that makes sense. Like, Gotham is supposed to be brooding, it's supposed to be broke down, it's supposed to be shitty. And at every possible turn they could do, they were trying to imbibe color into this movie, but there was so much color that it didn't make sense that it was Gotham, you know? Uh, and that's kind of petty as far as an opinion goes. But the other problem I had with the movie was Victor's ass. I didn't like him at all. I did like that he was, like, uh, the Black Skull's, like, minion. But they didn't do a good enough job of explaining why that guy was, like... Because Victor's ass is, like, a, a maniac serial killer. He is probably one of the best humanoid villains that Batman has and I mean that in the fact that like you know I just did a whole huge segment about why Batman's a bitch you know and that's because it's like you know he fights a clown and a math major and a guy with a half melted face you know a chick that dresses up like a cat you know uh but this is the only guy in his rogues gallery that genuinely just kills folks and then puts a mark on his body you know so he's like perfect for the detective comic style dark knight style you know, uh, Batman stories, and I don't think they did him any justice. I just think that the character fell flat, uh, and I think they, were, they cast the wrong guy for it. Um, another big problem I had with the movie was that it was mostly just origin story. You know, they were trying to explain these characters and vet them out, you know, and they, they don't, they're not going to get their own movies, which I understand, and I do absolutely support the push for more female characters in these movies. And I feel like that's what they were trying to do was establish some like really concrete female characters, bring up the bird of prey or birds of prey, and I really like that. You know, a few things, um, but it just fell flat. 
and it didn't feel good enough. I don't know how they could have done it any better. I don't have any advice for that. I just know that I'm not a fan. Uh, you know, in addition to that, I think that the fight scenes were slow uh, and it made the choreography seem really bad when there was some really fun and, like, like I laughed during the movie a lot. But, you know, it just was one of those things, like, you know, I just don't know where they were going with that movie and why they, they kind of condensed down some of the story. That could have easily been a uh, two-and-a-half-hour movie if they were going to include that much origin story. I just don't think that the studio was going to put out, you know, an, a two-and-a-half-hour uh, uh, Harlequin movie. And uh, to kind of finalize my thoughts on the subject, I did have an absolute favorite character, and that was the hyena. I loved the giggle. I liked that they worked that into the story. You know, I liked that she had her mallet, and you know, there's a few things there that I really enjoyed about her character. Uh... I, I really thought that the Harlequin part of the story was vetted out. I really don't think they needed the Birds of Prey to make that like, that movie work, and I think that's why the movie didn't work. Is because in the beginning, they were talking about that it was supposed to be the emancipation of these five female characters, but they didn't really need to do that. Like they could have made the they didn't have to show the setup to the Birds of Prey. They could have absolutely had the Birds of Prey come out, and they like everybody knows who they are, you know. Everybody, or at least they should. And if you're if you're watching these DC movies and you're not aware who that is, that could be the reason why it didn't do so well in the box office. You know, it's it's that you know we probably need some interjection into those characters, slow and methodically. Um, but you can't really. How are you supposed to fund that origin story? So, like, even though I thought the movie was crap, I thought they did the best with that with what they could do. And I watched it twice, so it's not like unwatchable. It's just not that good. And speaking about reprobate criminals in shitty situations, uh, John Bones Jones was fucking arrested again. I mean, what the actual fuck, bro? Like, how the fuck do you continue to put your own dick in your ass all the time? Like, if he would just chill the fuck out with his ego, he probably would be fine. Maybe he's not as good a fighter. I don't know. I don't understand how that works. I was a fighter. I never had a tremendous ego like that. Maybe I did, but, like, I never did crack or, like, fucking cocaine and shit like that on, a, on like, fight nights. Like, I don't understand what goes through this guy's brain. He, he could have been the greatest fighter who's ever lived, and he has literally just fucked it all away. I think this is like the third gigantic major arrest that he's had. Like, I knew about him, uh, I forget what the first one was. Uh, the second one, I think, was when he had a hit and run and he left and he had a bunch of paraphernalia in his car. And then, uh, uh, the third time now that he's been arrested, uh, cops were showing up to a weapons discharge call and then pulled him over and, or I'm sorry, he was already pulled over and he was drunk as shit on uh, Jorge Masvidal's, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Mescal. And uh, he had his gun under his seat. And uh, the last time I looked at it, they were currently checking to see if the weapon had been fired, which is pretty easy to do. You know, and I'm just trying to think, like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, why the fuck would you put yourself in a situation like that? Knowing that you're sitting on tumultuous contract statuses, that your title could be stripped at a moment's notice just because of how often you fuck around, you know, and you're not going to keep getting fights because guys aren't going to want to lose paydays to fight you. 
you know? And and to be that, like, there's a pretty good chance you could be fucking cheating, which is another fucking thing. You know, I you have to wonder at what point something goes through someone's head to say, oh, I'm, I'm a great fighter, but you know what? Let me just go ahead and piss that all away being a complete fucking moron. Like, this is the Mark Kerr of our generation, I think. You know, I, I don't know anybody else that's fucked themselves harder than him. And what's even more amazing to me is that he's that fucked up and he's still having great matches. You know, I just don't, I don't get it. My man should have had an Anderson Silva level, like, teardown. Like, he should have had the longest reigning UFC championship of all time. Like, undefeated champion. I don't mean that he's undefeated, I just mean, like, undefeated champion. You know? But he's managed to just dick away all this talent, and it's a goddamn shame. I mean, my man is, is by far one of the most unorthodox strikers, great wrestler, stupendous at getting out of situations, you know, uh, comes from a good camp, you know, like, it just, it doesn't make any sense, and it's a true waste of ability. You know, you're telling me that a guy who just soundly whooped uh, Daniel Cormier's ass is just a fuck-up. You know, that's what everybody's going to remember him for, is the fighter he could have been instead of the fighter he should have been, you know, uh... And it's a, it's just a really bad shame for that. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, it's, it's very disappointing. You know, maybe if he got really good, uh, or he was already really good, but if he got stupendous uh, in holding the uh, light heavyweight title, you know, he could have come back and gone to heavyweight and been one of the only, uh, besides like Randy Couture, you know, light heavyweight and heavyweight champions like Daniel Cormier, you know. And I don't think Daniel Cormier is a champion like that if Bones Jones didn't fuck up. So, I mean, he put a guy into legacy just by being a, a complete fucking jackass. So I don't know what else to say about it other than he is just the most disappointing fighter, I think, since Mark Kerr. But I do want to talk about something that's not as disappointing, and that's the the Tiger King. And I know we've talked a lot about it. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, you're probably getting tired of hearing about. However, I am still emphatically and unabashedly interested in this story um, because it's still evolving, like it's still going on, like there's stuff that's happening. And uh, what's cool about it is that uh, there's just so much new content that comes out about the story daily. And with the, uh, the investigation uh, from the Netflix crew into uh, Carol Baskin's involvement with the murder of uh, her husband, they don't know that it's a murder, he's just missing persons, they reopened the investigation, um, which is just crazy, because, like, oh, yeah, like, we never did figure this out, and you know what? It really does kind of sound like she probably murdered her husband, and to me, that shit's just fucking awesome. Like, like okay, a Netflix documentary built around sensationalizing the story, which was already fucking sensational, you know, uh, it, it comes back out that, like, yeah, I, I think she probably did kill her husband. And O.J. Simpson made a post, which was pretty funny. I, I did uh, put it on my Facebook. They're like, I absolutely think Carol Baskins uh, killed her husband. It was like, uh, thankfully, a fucking uh, <laughs> an expert like weighs in on the situation. Because with the evidence submitted uh, through that documentary, it is a pretty good chance that uh, that she killed him. You know, like, a lot of things just kind of lean the right ways. That doesn't mean she did it, and I do actually like the Big Cat Rescue in Tampa. I've been, it's a pretty cool place. Um, but, like, a lot of the things they said about her, about, like, the way she runs her facility, 
is like overgrown with weeds. You know, they don't really pay anybody. Everything's on a volunteer basis. And it's just like the biggest ripoff gimmick. Uh, plus, she said probably one of the most preposterous things I think I've ever heard a human being say, which was that she used to take walks at night down Nebraska Street in Tampa. Now, if you've never been to Tampa, and I used to live there, and I actually lived on Nebraska Street, right? Nebraska Ave, actually, sorry. Uh, yeah, ain't nobody white walking down that street at night, right? Like, that is probably the sketchiest street in all of Tampa, uh, dude, honestly, like, I used to do hood rat shit on that street all the time. And I mean, like, legit hood rat shit. So I very much doubt that Carol Baskins at any point was walking down Nebraska Ave. That's a fucking fallacy at best. Another fun addition to this story is that, uh, everybody was saying that, uh, Joe Exotic looked like a Lisa Frank drawing. And so Lisa Frank actually put out a uh, drawing of him with a tiger, uh, which was, uh, one, in incredibly good spirits, uh, two, extremely funny, and three, exactly what we asked for. You know, it's it's just... <laughs> you gotta look it up. Like, literally Google Lisa Frank Joe Exotic uh, to look at this uh, drawing she made, and it could have been on binders, to be honest. Like, just ridiculous. I mean, just think about it, though. Like, the the queen of the 90s Trapper Keeper hears that a guy could be, like, her mascot, right? And then goes ahead and does the drawing and then posts it just for funsies. Like, I I think that's probably one of the coolest things that a celebrity has ever done. You know, I couldn't pick Lisa Frank out of a lineup, but I know the name when I hear it, and I know exactly what it means, and it, it all, all in all, like, you have to Google it. It's perfect. And I, I wanted to throw out some opinions and some theories on some stuff that I've been kind of milling over the last couple of days. And there's two things that I think, and uh, and believe me, these are my opinions. But uh, Jeff Lowe is the first person that comes to mind. So when you meet Jeff Lowe in the show, they tell you he's a felon, right? Which doesn't mean anything these days, like, you know, drug charge or something like that. Like, you can be a felon for a lot of stuff, right? Uh... But he always wears the hat. I, th I know that's to cover up his bald spots, you know. Um, I th He always wears the shirts and the jackets all the way up to his hands. And I have a theory. And that theory is that he's covering up his Aryan Nation tattoos. And I'm having a hard time coming off of this theory because you never see him outside of that wardrobe. They're in the middle of summer in Oklahoma and he's still wearing it. Why would he wear that shit all the time? And the kind of stuff that he's into is stuff that is commonly associated with white supremacists. And I don't think it's that far of a stretch because you just never see any of his body. And that looks like a guy who would absolutely have tattoos. But he also looks like a swarmy little dickhead. And that's where some of the opinion comes from. Now, I could be totally off base and wrong, but I don't think I am. Uh, the other theory that I have is that Joe Exotic was framed. Now, I'll put this out there. He didn't do himself any favors with those videos and the songs and shit like that. But I also think he's great with marketing, as in trying to put himself out there. And if he could battle, like, Carol Baskins, who is probably one of the most well-respected uh, tiger handlers around, um, that I think that that's part of the gimmick. And the more salacious his material was... 
the uh, the better it would be. You know, um, I think that he said a lot of dumb shit. He did a lot of dumb shit. Um, but I don't actually think that at any point he would have actually murdered Carol Baskins. I think a lot of that comes from his, like, meth-fueled, like, persona. And I think he put himself in a lot of really bad situations, whereas I think a lot of the sharks that he surrounded himself with kind of noticed and saw, and they knew what was going to happen, you know? Uh, and uh, some of the things that lead me to the belief that he was framed was that when they were looking at uh, Carol Baskin's house trying to set up this murder, um, he was nowhere to be found. Like, he was at his desk minding his own business. And that fat shit on the jet, uh, the jet ski, uh, when he realized that he wasn't going to be a part of the new zoo, he completely fit, like flipped script. Like, I only turned FBI, like, state's evidence because my lemur. You know what I mean? And that, I think that he got in with uh, Jeff Lowe, as did that other guy from the other tiger sanctuary who he ripped off emphatically. You know, the guy's like, I'm doing all the work. Jeff's not doing anything. Like, he's not, he's not actually doing anything. You know, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, he just felt taken advantage of, and he's putting in all this money and stuff, and finding out Jeff doesn't have as much money as he says he does. You know, those are one of those things that you pay attention to. Like, those are, like, precursors to ideas. He's ripping off people left and right. He could have very possibly manipulated the fat shit on the jet ski and sent his boy down to do the murder for hire, you couldn't see the air quotes, um, that uh, he never actually went to do. And then by having Joe hand him the money, looks like Joe's having him set up the stuff for the murder. You know, um, and I, 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 I truly believe that the reason why Joe ran was not because of the murder, it was because he didn't understand what embezzlement was and didn't understand that that wasn't his money he was using for the campaign. He was funneling money from his business and he was embezzling money from Jeff. And when Jeff found out, he flipped out because the con's only supposed to go one way. And I think that, that was a really big portion of the show that a lot of people skipped over was the fact that Joe ran, but he grabbed up a bunch of tigers and sold them for money and stuff uh, when Joe wasn't around because, or I'm sorry, when Jeff wasn't around because Jeff wasn't around. He was literally just siphoning money through this thing as like a money laundering operation, I believe. You know, and um, Joe was trying to get his money back from his tigers, which he legally didn't own anymore. You know, so he had embezzled money and now he's stolen money. And so there's a lot of things involved in that that you just kind of... You have to take a, like a, a questionable look at and say, maybe things aren't quite as they seem. You know, now I'm not saying that he's innocent because it looks like he killed five tigers and stuff like that. And it's like, well, how are you supposed to kill a tiger? You either shoot him or drown him or whatever. Like, well, yeah, you get a vet and you euthanize him legally. You know, like that. That's how you do that, Joe. Um, so he deserves the jail time, but I do think he was framed for the murders and some of the other stuff as well. Uh. But I do want to say that I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys being fans. I will continue to put out content that you guys find interesting. If you if you can think of anything that you want me to talk about, just hit me up, uh, Facebook or through my cell phone, uh, and I will do my best to try to get the content out there for you. Uh, always open to new ideas. And just remember, if you think you classy... You probably trashy. Good night, everybody.
Stay safe.